happening now? We're about to send you back to the Rebuta! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Back to the Revuture, the show in which we take a classic film that one of us or both of us might not have seen, and we take a look at it now. I'm Drew Bridger. I'm Amber Inch. And in a stark contrast to last week's episode, which was RoboCop, this week we're taking a look at a different kind of classic altogether. We are looking this week at a film that I'm incredibly surprised that you actually haven't seen until now. I mean, obviously, some of the other ones surprise me in the sense that they're classic films. But this one surprises me in the sense that it's a film that kind of is really right up your street for something I imagine you might have seen before. Hmm. We are talking about the 1988 cartoon slash real life mashup, (laughs) Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, mashup. It's a mashup. <laughs> it's part cartoon, part real life, mashed together. So it's kind of like Robocop. It kind of is. <laughs> part cartoon, part real life, all fun. <laughs> uh, no, it surprises me that you haven't seen this because this is something that I would have thought you would have seen by now and really enjoyed, considering that it's kind of. Not exactly Disney-centric, but it is owned and distributed by Disney. Yeah. I don't know. There wasn't really a reason. I just thought maybe... I wasn't sure that I would kind of enjoy it, maybe. Mm. Because I didn't know that it was totally my thing. I didn't actually think that there was as much well-known characters in it as there was. I didn't think they were going to do that, go down that route. I thought it was just their own characters. There weren't as many appearances in there as you kind of realised there were. You yeah, thought yeah, there I might thought, be. I didn't, no, I right. didn't think there was okay. as many as there was. So I, right. so I was surprised at how many there was when I was... Now, this might not be immediately what people would think of as being a classic, but when you take into consideration that this was kind of a pioneer in what was capable from animation studios mm. at the time, having hand-drawn cartoons interacting with real-life actors Mm. and the amount of attention to detail that goes into it in the process, which we will talk about in a bit. But considering all of that, this film, I, I think it's fair to say, you might now understand that it was revolutionary at the time. This came out in 1988 and it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, who by today's standards, is pretty well known with dabbling in revolutionary animation styles. If it's got a particular look about it now, you can kind of attribute that to being a Robert Zemeckis film. And not to do... What did he do? Well, one thing that particularly comes to mind is the Polar Express. Oh, okay. Oh, that was kind of weird, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but when you take into consideration like how it looks and how it's animated and how they've kind of gone from taking hand-drawn cartoons that are interacting with real people and using motion capture to animate the features of a live-action person into an animated film, yeah. that's kind of going with the technological times. It's mm. almost like... He, as a director and as someone who is into the animation the way that he is, has almost helped develop new animation technologies to forward what is capable of putting into film. And not that it's to do with anything really, but it is noteworthy that the music in this film was done by Alan Silvestri, who does all of the music for the Avengers films, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's neither here nor there. It's just a, <laughs> it's just something I felt that was decent to mention. But that's know? Disney now too. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's just like any time Alan Silvestri's name comes up in the credits, I just think of that iconic kind of Captain America score. Dun, and I'm dun, like, dun, dun, dun. 
Are we allowed to do that? We, uh, I think, <laughs> do you know what? If we were to play the music, we would probably get demonetized yeah, in some I way. Kind of like, <laughs> I was a little bit off key. So yeah, but do you know what? exactly right. Exactly. Because you did it, I think we'll get away with it. It's fine. It's not like you're singing the happy birthday song or anything <laughs> like that. It's fine. So we'll start off with how we usually start off, considering that you hadn't seen this film before, but obviously might have had a little bit of an idea of what it was about. What did you think this film was going to be? Well, I got it a bit wrong. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) So from seems stupid because the title tells you exactly what it is. I mean, I didn't realize that. I just I can't say. um, Well, Roger Rabbit got framed. Right, fair enough. But in much in, in in one of the few ways that it is similar to Robocop, the title tells you pretty much everything <laughs> exactly you need to know. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, I got most of it right. Alright. Roger Rabbit gets framed. Okay, right, so That's far. Right. Good. Yeah. Okay. But off to a winner so far. <laughs> but this is where it gets a bit dodgy. Uh, uh, For oh. tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> In fraud, okay, but so, it was identity fraud, and then and then okay. hires Bob Hoskins to help him. Ah, uh, right, okay, okay. So you think that they got Roger Rabbit in this film the same way that they got Al Capone? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> he gets taken down for tax evasion. Yeah, but only because I thought I thought it might be a bit family friendly, and I wasn't sure that like a big murder mystery was going to be the way to go. I didn't think mm. they would. But then I suppose tax evasion is not family friendly, is it? I think tax evasion would go over a lot of kids' heads. That's what I mean, yeah. Really. Getting the, getting <laughs> I, the... didn't, I didn't use my own logic after, anyway. Nothing really screams family fun like getting the IRS involved, <laughs> does it, really? <laughs> um, no, I mean, obviously, the air that this film is going for is somewhat of a noir thriller. It draws yeah. a lot of tropes and a lot of visuals mm-hmm. and cues and everything like that all of the kind of terminology that you want to use all from film noir yeah there's one brilliant bit where jessica rabbit is walking into eddie valiant's office and you just see the outline of her in the glass of the door and that's a real film noir kind of shot and obviously the fact that he's you know a detective who's an alcoholic and <laughs> suffering from the loss of his partner it was and brother. The 40s, though. That, that is what that's the style of them. I of mean the it times. was yeah, it was it was trendy in 1947 to be a functioning alcoholic, really, yeah. wasn't it? So <laughs> everyone was a functioning alcoholic in the in the 1940s. You know, it just helps you drive better. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. No, <laughs> no I mean you, you you got that right. Well, some for, of it. for the most part. <laughs> so was it a surprise to you that there was more to this film in the sense that it was very much more noir than you expected it to be? No. I kind of I knew what the style of it was from watching things about it before. So right. that wasn't a surprise. So I knew what they were going for. And then when I saw that it was a murder, I thought, oh yeah, that does make sense. I just thought that was a bit obvious for what I was thinking i thought if i said oh well roger rabbit got framed for murder and then somebody tried to help him like that seems like yeah <laughs> it's just a bit oh so i thought spice it up a bit spice it up a bit with a little bit with a cheeky bit of tax evasion cheeky bit of tax evasion <laughs> thought, spice it up he's a yeah devilish little rabbit <laughs> devilish. <laughs> so when i saw that it was murder, i wasn't i wasn't really shocked that wasn't because a actually surprise. before i started watching it i thought it was family friendly and then the minute that i started watching it, i realized it kind of wasn't as family orientated as i thought why there's so many boob talk so much boob <laughs> talk and stuff it's like it's so potty mouth oh it's i mean okay it's low hanging fruit at some point to, okay wrong phrase to but use was, there yeah. at some point but <laughs> <laughs> builds up a different kind of picture in your head when you use that term really <laughs> low hanging fruit it's easy pickings as far as jokes go. Yeah. There are certain points where it comes in and it's just like, it was, this is one of the first real films to, because they obviously had an adult cast in this. They are casting to have something in there that the grown-ups taking the kids can enjoy as well. And that's mm. kind of where 
more recent films like Shrek and things like that yeah. kind of take their cues yeah, from yeah. now. Because they've got jokes in there that the grown-ups can enjoy or, mm. like, you know. To be honest, I watched this film a lot when I was younger on the basis that it was really entertaining. Like, mm, I found yeah. it pretty entertaining and funny. And, you know, after this, in the mid-90s, The Mask came along, which was another kind of yeah, yeah. cartoonish but in real mm. life kind yeah. of thing. And not I, as family friendly. Not as family friendly, <laughs> no. But I found it entertaining more than anything else. But as I went on and saw it kind of sporadically throughout the years, yeah. I kind of realised there was more to appreciate about this. Mm. And some of it is the jokes. Some of it is the attention to detail in some points, which I still find quite fascinating. Yeah, it was really clever, actually. Yeah, and when you see the behind-the-scenes stuff that we've seen yeah. over how they... Yeah, that's they... kind of confusing. I did it the wrong way around. I watched the the ma- like how they did those types of things before I'd even seen the film, so I don't know what they were talking about. So but I... it was still clever, though. Yeah, see, I don't think that you did. No, because it didn't give away anything. No, it didn't give away anything In seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff of how they made it. And if anything, I think watching that before you watch the film gives you an appreciation of how the film got made and it kind of gives you points to look out for yeah it did oh yeah i remember this it did make me realize yeah it was it was really clever they did do it really well it was really well done absolutely now there are certain attention to detail moments that i i wanted to like draw upon in particular, and I wanted to see if you noticed them and picked up on them. Mm-hmm. One of them I actually pointed out to you at the time was when he moves the chair and there's yeah, fingerprints yeah. left in the dust yeah, of the I chair. Didn't that one. Because there's so much dust over his brother's side of the desk that anytime he's dead. he. Yeah, obviously. He's <laughs> had a he tune won't be using a, it very much. No, he had a tune drop a piano on his head, which, <laughs> which took you by surprise. Didn't it? Because you were, you said to it me... Did, yeah, I suppose it did. Yeah, you said to me, like, I know it's meant to be sad. <laughs> but you've got to laugh, though. <laughs> but the, the method in which it happened, I couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny, though. But that's the point, isn't it? It's, it's a little it bit funny because that's, that's why they pause for dramatic effect when she says what happened to him. Yeah, he lost his brother to a tune. And everyone yeah, gasps. Fell on his head. Yeah, yeah. Dropped a piano straight on his head. It's like... <laughs> Okay, and it's like that moment. (laughs) It's that moment where you kind of go, "Oh, I get where the humor is in this film." Like that's the line that they're going down. That's the kind of the point in the film where everything kind of like falls into place as far as the direction and the humor that they're going with. Yeah, comes into it. It's like, yeah, it is a noir thing. Yeah, it is done in a particular style, but. Because there's cartoons in it, the jokes come from the fact that it's cartoons interacting with yeah, real with life. Yeah, people, yeah. Yeah. There was another point that was really big attention to detail thing. And um, there's actually a term used in some Hollywood films now, which is like going the extra mile for a certain effect. Okay. And that's when they're in the back of the bar and it's uh, Bob Hoskins and Roger Rabbit, who obviously isn't actually there. And yeah, yeah. the lady who's playing Dolores. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I know what you mean, what you're going to say, I think. When, so when he's moving him around and the light gets bumped above yeah, him. Yeah, okay, yeah. And they had to, and the light <laughs> is swinging mm. all around the place. So the light's obviously going onto him and back again. But they had to animate roger rabbit in the same fashion yeah so the light's going over him mm. as well and he's moving around in different ways yeah. so they had to animate the light and shadow on him to match what's happening on bob hoskins and the term is actually called bumping the light ah. so there so anytime there's like a, an extra amount of attention to detail gone into something to make it look a particular fashion it's called bumping the light so, and that's something that I never really picked up on as a kid. But I think the part... No, because no, you just take it for granted. Exactly. And you don't think about it. You just think... Well, you don't even think. You just watch. You don't even make a note to 
to notice those things. You just sit and watch it. Exactly, and that's why but it's such a good thing. That is thing. why it's good because if it was <laughs> if it was if it was badly done, then you'd you notice. would notice, and you'd be like, oh, oh, that's exactly. not bad. That's not quite right. That's a bit off. The fact that it's so seamless. Yeah. Means that you kind of don't it's even not notice to your it. Attention, is it? That's exactly. Thing. But yeah, but that's a good thing though. You kind of find it easier to lose yourself into the film in that way because if something yeah. like that was done really shoddily and like mm. the background was really terrible, yeah. it would take you out of it. Yeah, you can kind of find yourself forgetting that what you're watching is animation mixed with real life, I suppose. But they do remind you a lot that they're cartoons and they're not... So they don't try and make them act like real people, which I like. So they don't try and make them... um, Well, they try and make them real characters, obviously, but Mm. they don't try and make them human all that much. They've got them separate, so they're still... These are still cartoons, but they're just in the real world. Yeah. And and the other way around as well. The rules of cartoons and animation still apply to them despite being in the real world, which is understandable. Yeah. So they must have thought it was a really good idea before they started making this film, and then as soon as they started making it, they thought, "Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is going to take a really long time. Why did we do this?" <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is so hard. We just do something else. But again, this is the thing. This is why I feel it was such a classic movie and so groundbreaking because mm. they saw it as a challenge and pulled it off like obviously yeah, if it they was, did. They did. If, they, if they tried it and it didn't work and it had been a flop it probably still would have been famous but it might have been yeah, like yeah. a ridiculously famous right... flop yeah yeah but the fact is <laughs> yeah, that <like> actually <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is that actually uh, it's it's famous because it was so seamless mm. and it yeah. did so well and uh, yeah. And it does need to be mentioned how good Bob Hoskins is. He is really good, yeah, he is really good. Because he's acting with nothing, essentially. I mean, I know that there are some things that he's kind of looking at, but there's nothing Mm. there. The same as when everyone does something like that. Mm. You know, there's nothing to come back at him. I know the guy was doing the voice, so he he was talking to something and did have kind of a reaction i suppose but it was only audio yeah, yeah. wasn't it so he wasn't looking at something and then having a a, a proper no, he, exchange no he had the guy who was doing the voice of roger rabbit on set doing yeah. his lines to him yeah. but off camera yeah so, so we could hear it you know to a certain extent he was being acted with yeah but there wasn't yeah it wasn't a lot to go on I, yeah i imagine no they they he just had like something there and I think any time he grabbed onto him, I think they had like a stuffed version yeah, that he just picked up. Yeah, that they then animated over. Yeah, which is all fine. So like mm. you know, anytime he he would, yeah, so he would handle like him. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I suppose because people don't maybe don't give him a lot of credit because you don't think how challenging it was because well everybody that acts with something that isn't there is acting with something that isn't there that's fine yeah but it was in the 80s and it hadn't really been done in that to that extent no almost so there wasn't a whole film where somebody was having to do that somebody was having to rely on just a voice behind them to you know get something get emotion out of absolutely so i think he probably should have been given quite a lot of good but then he kind of was given credit for i suppose wasn't he i mean he got some type of recognition because it was so long lasting because i mean people are still talking about it now even oh absolutely so absolutely so he kind of got some recognition for it but yeah i think his job was probably really difficult to be honest i think even by today's standards the animation in this and how they interact yeah, I think so. still holds up because yeah, I think so. even when you look at like the small little things uh there, there's one point where he's in the uh the speakeasy club mm. uh for tunes jessica rabbit oh no it doesn't it doesn't happen to him it happens to uh marvin acne yeah jessica rabbit goes around him pulls a handkerchief yeah, out, out of, of his, his pocket, pocket. Yeah. and rubs it over his head yeah and it's just like you how don't, do you even do that? <laughs> it's like you don't take into consideration that there's they haven't 
motion captured there. Yeah. That's not someone that's been in a motion capture suit because that didn't no, because exist, that didn't exist back then. No. They that, that's the thing. They that's had to do that with like effects and wires, and they had to have something like come out of his pocket and then yeah. get rubbed, and then they had to like scrub that out and then draw that in over the top oh, of it. This is what I'm saying. They thought it was a good idea at the time, and then as soon as they started doing it. I mean, the amount of <laughs> effort that went into making the film Ooh. is absolutely crazy. I mean, I suppose it was worth it because it was it, I, it was very popular, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Do you do you see Bob Hoskins in a new light now that you've watched this film? No. 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 Did you always think he was really good? I was always pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matilda. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That wasn't. Bob Hoskins, that was Danny DeVito, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. He was great in Batman Returns as the Penguin. <laughs> yeah, but that's how good he is. You thought it was Danny DeVito, but it was Bob Hoskins being Danny DeVito being the I don't know, they look the same to me. <laughs> Bob Hoskins, um, I, I believe, until this point, was kind of known more for his hard man roles in, like, British films. Yeah. Um, the Long Good Friday, in particular, was, um, was a big hit of his, and he was that kind of character, you know, like... Mm. Ri- I mean... Well, he still is that character in this. He's just yeah. American and not, not British. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And do you know, I think the most... One of the most convincing parts of the film is his <laughs> American accent. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. He does a really good job. He does. He does, actually. In this. I don't very know natural, if, isn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know who trained him to do that or whether that just Maybe came Maybe he just from... had it. It was just natural... Maybe that just came just from Bob Hoskins. Yeah, maybe that came from a history of watching these kind of film probably. noir yeah, style films and wanting to do something along the lines of those kinds of roles. I mean, it's kind of it is quite natural, but it's, it is also like a caricature of an American because of what type of film it is. So the way like the accent that he's got is a little bit kind of over the top yeah. and a bit broad, like New York kind of not taking the Mickey, but it's a little bit exaggerated isn't it, it is it is a little bit it is a little bit but that's what yeah. it needed that's what it's for yeah did this one give you a little bit of nostalgia <laughs> for um maybe you should ask me that question about whether it's whether it shows bob hoskins in a new light <laughs> just ask me again <laughs> now that i know who he is <laughs> okay <laughs> now that we've established that he's not daddy devito does it show bob hoskins in a new light are for you, you sure it was Danny DeVito in that film. <laughs> Are you a hundred percent sure? In Matilda. Yeah. Do you want me to look it up? I'm I, I'm certain it was I'm no, certain no, it was Danny DeVito. Because there's a whole thing about how him and the actress are still good friends. There's a whole thing what about actress? it. The the actress that played Matilda. Oh right. Yeah. There is a whole thing about it. So, I, don't um, even, I don't really remember the film now, but all I keep picturing is Bob Hoskins doing it's it. It's the first so name that comes it? up when I Google it. <laughs> What, Bob Hoskins? No, Danny, <laughs> Danny DeVito. He must have been in a film like similar to that, though. Um, he, he probably was in quite a few. I mean, one of my... Obviously, one of my favourite films that he's been in was Hook. He is great in that film. I, I, I love Bob Hoskins in that film. He's so, so funny. Um, yeah, he has he been well in quite this. a he few. Well um, he, he did... He did appear in um, another Robert Zemeckis film, um, which was Disney's Christmas Carol, right. which had Jim Carrey in it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so he appeared in that. Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't that. look like Bob Hoskins, does he? No, but I mean... That's definitely not what I was thinking. No. Uh, <laughs> I am struggling to find anything that matches up to what you... <laughs> are thinking of at the oh, moment okay. I'm, I'm being honest with you. he did appear in uh in an episode of frasier so that's right did he? he was coach fuller oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> so there we go that's a recognizable role for you if someone's been in frasier you're likely <laughs> to know that he was actually really good in that though really good and he was just as hairy i like to say okay i have just found something <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so now I know where you're going to recognise him from. Yeah, Frasier. No, well, yeah, other than Frasier, <laughs> all right, I have just found something that you will know what he was appearing in. In 1997, he appeared in a little low-budget movie called Spice World. Yeah, he was in Spice World. Yeah, I mean, as Bob I Hoskins. I nearly said that. Yeah, as Bob Hoskins. <laughs> yeah, I nearly said that. So there you go. That was something that... Um, That's not what I was thinking. But yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, I nearly said that. He was in the uh, the 1993... Who was, he was as himself in Spice World. <laughs> he did appear as himself, yes. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. He appeared in the 1993 movie Super Mario Brothers. Oh, Oh, okay. As Mario, one of the (laughs) biggest, as Super Mario, one of the biggest flops of a film of all time. Yeah. Which is a little bit unfortunate because, you know, it's it's Bob Hoskins. And we've established that we like Bob Hoskins, even if we get him confused with other people sometimes. Yeah, because Um, why do I picture him, like, with a cigar hanging out of his mouth, driving a car, like... That could be from any number of other roles that he's been in, to be honest. Yeah. But, yeah, as, as far as that yeah, goes... Yeah, he was only in Frasier for about five minutes. It wasn't really that long. Well, no, it was, it was quite long. Yeah, he was... Oh, it doesn't matter, does it, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it matters to Bob Hoskins. <laughs> it was really, he was really yeah. very funny in that. <laughs> but if anyone's had a part in Frasier, you're going to know about it. So what other things kind of surprised you about this film? Well, it didn't surprise me, but I did like... Well, I suppose it surprised me a little bit. Um, I liked seeing all the characters that I recognised. That was really cool. Yeah. I liked when Mickey Mouse turned up. That was so cute. That was so nice. Yeah. Ed was being a bit naughty. Well, I mean, well, it wasn't him. He was handing it over to Bugs. Which yeah, is... I know, but he could have helped. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, this is why I said, like... And Donald Duck as well. And everything. Yeah, exactly. No, it, was really, it was just cool. I liked that. That was now, something that I really liked. Obviously, I, because... I didn't, so, it was, wasn't was Disney, though, ex- exclusively. Yeah. Was, oh, it was. Uh, no, well, no. They did have um, appearances from other characters from Warner Brothers. Yeah, but, but who made the film? Uh, it was Disney distributed. So, they bought the appearances in this film from Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, yeah, like uh, Betty people. Boop, um, Porky Pig, mm. and then a couple of There's others. Sam, yeah, like so they so they Tweety bought... Tweety Pie! And Tweety Pie, yes. So all of those kinds of appearances of other cartoons, mm. they bought for a particular amount of screen time. Yeah. For just this one film. And oh, I liked said, that. Yeah. I enjoyed that. But everything <laughs> else that was in this film was Disney distributed, so they already had the rights to things like Mickey. Could, could you imagine? Could you imagine if this was the other way round and Warner Brothers were making this film? They yeah, went to and Disney to and said, can we all. buy I don't know, that worked, Mickey really. Mouse for five minutes of this <laughs> film? Not even five minutes. It was like no, for not. 30 seconds no, of screen time. he's at the end time. as well for a bit. Yeah. But could you imagine them trying to do it the other way around? I think it would have been a whole different Disney probably would fish. have said, we prefer to just buy the film out, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we would just have the film. We would just, yeah, yeah, we'll absolutely. But yeah, this is why I figured that you might have seen it. I didn't it, know or... any of that, though. I didn't know, because I think I knew that it was Disney, but I think it was something that, I thought it was something that Disney tried to distance themselves from, from for some reason, because maybe it wasn't, in the style that now they've kind of grown mm. and it's and now we're into you know two thousands that sort of thing and those films that they did then might mm. not be the thing that they want to be associated with now because it was a little bit you know the, the, a baby looked up a woman's skirt and slapped her mm. on the butt yeah and said fifty year old lust with a three year old <laughs> dinky what <laughs> what the heck yeah. that was made me cringe that's... that was so weird. And yeah, that's so that another was something that I joke. was like really confused about, and I thought that this, yeah. that that those things happened quite early on, and I was a bit like, um, okay, I'm yeah. surprised this has taken a turn that I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe Disney try have tried to kind of distance themselves from it. It's not the type of thing that they want people to think that they're about now, maybe because time has gone on. I mean, because I'm I, surprised I think you're right. from yeah. not going going to their parks, and I think maybe I've seen an appearance from Roger Rabbit once in mm. a parade one time mm-hmm. from ages ago mm-hmm. like really long yeah. time ago and not ever since no so it's not something that they really advertised that they were a part of or that they had a hand in no. so i i was surprised at seeing their characters in the yeah. film but then it was a long time ago so. yeah yeah 
I think they do use Roger Rabbit for some things in the parks if you go to Disney. I, I mean, yeah, every now and again it pops yeah, up, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not something that they seem really overly proud of as much as all the other stuff no. that they kind of go on about. I get the impression that in the Disneyland in California that we went to, there's an area which is Toontown. In there, like oh, the Toontown. Oh, yeah, Magic Kingdom had Toontown, but it was Mickey's Toontown and it wasn't right. really anything to do. No. Not as much to do. It just looked like you were walking into a cartoon, but they never, they didn't really state this is to do with Roger Rabbit. Oh, no, but I, but what I'm getting at is that I feel like the influence of that and the way it looks and everything like that is right. kind of lifted okay. out of the Toontown in Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Like, it's kind yeah, of maybe, all. Yeah, yeah. Like, where they all live and the area that they all interact and the things that go on. Yeah, in yeah. Toontown, yeah, yeah. in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I be- that's kind of where they yeah, go, oh that yeah, that was fun, we can yeah. replicate that. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you're right, and I do get the impression that if this had been made by Disney today, I think it still would have had all of the groundbreaking animation tactics that they had, and the cartoon human interactions that they mm. had but i think they maybe would have gone a little bit lighter on like the quote unquote pervy old man jokes it's really pervy i think it's pervy by today's standards that's a joke that i don't know if it's risky because the joke no it's not risky. is that it's not a pervy old man he's a baby Oh, it's but horrible. it's like, but he's not a baby. But it, yeah, but it's like, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. He's an old guy that looks like a baby. Yeah, so it's like, so is it sinister? It's is weird. It, it's, yeah, but it's all a bit weird. There's all weird like boob jokes and stuff. It's really strange. Well, there was okay. <laughs> and it was so like, there it was seems one. to me like it's a bit seedy. But then maybe the whole genre, whole style of film is seedy. But right, I don't know. But there was one joke which wasn't. <laughs> it was like. If that had been the only joke of the film, it would have been like a setup. No, not the only joke. (laughs) All right. If that had been the only risky joke of the film, is what I'm getting at. If that had been like, is the one where the one of the weasels is frisking Jessica Rabbit, and he reaches like right down her top and comes out with a bear trap on his hand. But like the fact, but that's all a setup for Eddie Valiant turning to her and going, nice booby trap. Which is like, that's a clever joke at that point. Mm. You realise that that whole thing is a build-up for the punchline of, of booby trap, which is a but, joke I mean, that yeah, works on two levels. Booby trap is quite funny, but I don't know that you have to see somebody reaching down someone's cleavage. No, exactly. <laughs> and, that's, and I think that it's because of things like that that you are right. Disney probably didn't exactly like completely sweep it under the rug mm. unlike you know maybe particular other films like they have been known to yes, sweep under yeah. certain rugs yeah. but they are probably going do you know what maybe we're not going to advertise this in our parks maybe we're not going to have people like actively go out and research this film before coming to our mm. Disney parks or anything like that but you know people who are of a certain audience will watch this film and go do you know what this is funny this is a great animation and the way they made this film is really good sure there are a bunch of risky jokes in there but that's something that for the most part might go over kids heads and for those that are old enough to get it, they're going to look at this and go, well, this was made in the 80s and set in the 40s. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the joke, if it had been made today and set today, that's a whole other kettle of fish. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, well, yeah. But... I suppose they get away with it because it's cartoon. It's cartoon, yeah. it's cartoon type thing. So it's Exactly. Like... And, like, again, I know I keep going back to it, but the the animation in this film is really good and considering that and i am going to go there i am going to bring up something that probably shouldn't be spoken about 
in the same vein right. as a film like this. Okay. But when it got to the mid nineties mm-hmm. and Space Jam got made. Oh, that was awful. Right? So this is what I'm saying though, because Yeah, why couldn't they do something like this with that? Exactly. Because they just gotta be bothered. <laughs> but I they don't... don't want to spend the time on it. They just want to get it out quick, quick, quick. And that's where the difference in the filmmaking. It's, I, I think it's more to do with work ethic than it is to do with available technologies and things. I think that's. Oh just... no! Don't get me wrong. The technology was absolutely available yeah, to the people that were making Space Jam. But this is what I'm saying as well. Like, if Warner Brothers had made Who Framed Roger Rabbit and gone to Disney to say, "Can we borrow Mickey Mouse for yeah. and Donald Duck for?" 30 seconds of screen time right. in this Warner Brothers movie that we're making and it, it turned out that it was Space Jam mm. do you think that Disney would have said like do you know what if you're going to make this film and you're doing it in this particular way we are less inclined to allow yeah. you because we don't want our intellectual property appearing in a film that <laughs> yeah because it wasn't good it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't it didn't look good did it no I think this they, thing. maybe it's the opposite and maybe they tried too hard they tried to be too advanced almost mm. but could only use what they had and actually it went really right. wrong <laughs> because it just didn't look good i mean when it you take into consideration it cheap it was bad yeah when it, i mean it is almost the exact opposite rather than them being in the real world it's michael jordan being in the toon yeah. world yeah. so everything has look, to be cgi'd around though. it yeah it wasn't drawn like theirs was no so actually i think maybe the fact that they had extra technologies and it had advanced slightly was probably their downfall because if they had just had simple things that they had with Roger Rabbit then right. they would have just used that and they would have been they would have been forced to use that because they didn't have anything else and it would have made it look so much better so it's, yeah. prob- it's probably worse for them that it had moved on because they tried to use that which was maybe in early stages and it just Right, didn't go very and, well. and they're saying, well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the benchmark at this point. That is now yeah. the level of animation. If you're going to have real people and animated cartoons in the same film, that is now the level. Is, I would say. And the thing that I'm oh, surprised, the thing that I'm surprised about, after having like not ever thinking about it at all, obviously, but you kind of you think about these things when you're watching them, don't you? Because I've never watched it before. So I've never thought about it. But when I was watching it, I thought, I'm actually surprised at how many films haven't done this since. Right. Like, you would expect that because that was quite popular when it came out. It was a hit. And people were impressed by it, maybe. That a lot of people would jump on the bandwagon. And and, try and and try and do it. And maybe as good, maybe not as well. But they would try. And I don't, haven't seen a lot of like copycat things like that, really. The only other one other than something like Space Jam or uh, Warner Brothers did another one later, which was Looney Tunes Back in Action. Oh, yeah. Which had... But then that was just them doing Space Jam again. Yeah, kind so of, essentially. Count. I don't think yeah. that counts. I they were just copying themselves. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the only other one that really comes to mind was a film that, <laughs> coincidentally, also starred... Bob Hoskins. No, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Bob Bob Hoskins has been hurt enough (laughs) at this point, okay? He's already... He's heartbroken enough. I mean, he's he's dead, so it's okay. But it's not okay. But but I don't think he's going to care at this point, is what I'm saying. But he's hurt enough. No, coincidentally, also starred... Brendan Fraser, who I guess must just be called oh, yeah. in for his interaction for uh, with cartoons. He was in another film called Monkey Bone, which was... Okay, it was terrible. But that was another kind of humans interacting with cartoons, right. kind of. I mean, um, I, know, I know there are a lot of things that are regular, real-world, real-life stories and films that have sidekick that is CGI or cartoon animated sure. friend or something sure. like Alvin and the Chipmunks I don't know whatever you know things right. like that there's a lot of that type of thing yeah. but that's not the same that's not a person stepping into a no, cartoon it isn't. world is it no. so 
So yeah, I'm surprised at how and in many things, things like that. Those. Though you only have to animate that the, one the, thing, those yeah. those two or three characters. It's too you don't hard. Have to animate. It's too hard. That's why nobody's done it because they saw the amount of work that they had to do to make it good, <laughs> and they just thought it's not going to be worth it. Somebody's already done it. It's too hard. I'm not going to bother. Do you think there's a select group of people in Hollywood that are constantly trying to get these kinds of films made? Yeah, but everyone's saying no. Everyone's going, oh no, do you know what? We just can't be bothered because Who Framed Roger Rabbit did it so well and no one is ever going to meet that now. Yeah, what's the point? Just don't bother. There's no point. Do something else. It's just not going to work out for anyone after that point no. all right so did you enjoy this film then? i did enjoy the film yes i enjoyed i actually well yeah i did yeah <laughs> <laughs> you seem no you seem to go off into a no into a thought I was process to think for a about, second yeah then. i was trying to think about what uh, how i could say it i did like that all the characters are obviously so iconic aren't they so right everybody knows roger rabbit even mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the film like i knew roger rabbit even though i hadn't seen the film Sure. Um, I knew Jessica Rabbit. Sure. But everybody knows Jessica Rabbit, whether they even know that it's from a film or not. They just see the character, what it looks like, and they just recognise her. Right. But I didn't have a. I didn't know Christopher Lloyd's character was in it at all. No. No. Christopher Lloyd. I think. And actually, they... that's quite like it was quite important. And yeah. at the end, he turned. They actually was saying, "Oh, here's a cartoon." So you'd think that, that would have been a bit more was that a bit of a twist for you did you did you see that coming no 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 not at all okay Okay. although i did say that it was amazing to me how well animated everything was but they couldn't give christopher lloyd a realistic chin like that was out of the whole of the out of the whole film the part that actually like like they were they were real people in a cartoon world and cartoons crossing over into their world and they were touching them talking to them <laughs> interacting with them he was driving a cartoon car yeah. and it looked like he was actually driving it yeah. it was it's like insane oh, yeah. that's unbelievable and it looked so good and it yeah it was amazing but then Christopher Lloyd turns up and he's got his real chin so fake that it doesn't even look like a chin i think how can you animate all of these things so well to make me believe that you're talking to a cartoon rabbit but i don't believe that chin i feel like a lot of people are getting hurt by you in this (laughs) i think they did that on purpose it almost looked like it was strapped on like they had it around his ear and you could see like the line going down Okay, consider to kind of give you a clue, right? And and I think contextually within this film, yeah, you you might be right. I don't know if that was just like a choice, (laughs) but maybe he kind of turned up and on the set they were like, okay, do you know what? Someone's made him up, and it doesn't quite look right. And Robert Zemeckis maybe went, do you know what? Considering how the film ends, that there's this big reveal that actually he isn't a real person, he's a tune in disguise, maybe leave it. Because they gave him, like, the false set of teeth as yeah, well. Yeah, really false. Yeah, so <laughs> they, he does but maybe have... they were trying to make it look like a man, but a man that a cartoon character thinks a man looks like. Right, so he doesn't look like a person. He looks like some... What what a cartoon thinks yeah. a person should look like. Yeah. So like big right. like comical chin and like totally white teeth, teeth like all straight, all the same. Like size, unnaturally, unnaturally perfect teeth. Yeah. And these but are all kind so, of clues. The chin still didn't look well. So I mean, I think I think if anything, you might have stumbled onto something that is actually really clever about this film in the fact that they made Christopher Lloyd up to have a kind of unnatural look about him suggested yeah almost to give you a clue of what exactly is going to happen exactly because they made him out to look scary as in there's yeah, something not of, right yeah. about yeah, him yeah. but everything that's not right about him is everything that's kind of cartoonishly accentuated yeah because when you see a real person even in that way even next to cartoons he still looked bizarre so right. when you see like an actual person with like mostly real, yeah, but with some like select <laughs> small strange exaggerated about features, them. you go, oh, that's creepy. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, you're watching cartoons go around and that's fine. Yeah. But because he's got a cartoon chin and perfect teeth, that's weird. Yeah. Which, you know, that's... And there was one brilliant shot with him as well, because I don't think we talked about Christopher Lloyd enough yet. There was one brilliant... Yeah, I kind of forgot about him. Uh, but because of the whole Bob Hoskins fiasco, you made me forget about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my fault. You're absolutely <laughs> right. It wasn't Danny DeVito's <laughs> fault at all for being too much like Bob Hoskins for you. You're absolutely right. I just right. can't understand <laughs> how that's not Bob Hoskins. I just can't understand it. I, will not, I don't believe it. I just don't. <laughs> okay. This is a Mandela effect thing. We're actually in a parallel yes, universe where I can where... literally picture him. <laughs> no, but I can picture him ple- I can picture him in the film like it's him. Like I don't Oh no, I understand. I get it. I totally understand. They they're very similar looks. You confuse me things. They're not really though, are they? No. No. Anyway. <laughs> not not really. I was trying to make you feel a little bit better about it, but clearly it's not working, really. Um, But no, there is this one particular shot of Christopher Lloyd. And because he's made out to be so much taller than Eddie Valiant, he's Mm. looking down on him at some point. And the light catches his glasses. And it catches them in such a way that the entire of his glass goes white on his glasses. And you can't see any of his eyes Mm. in an almost, almost in an animated fashion. Yeah. Like and I thought that was like a brilliant, brilliant shot they mm. managed to get. Yeah. And Christopher Lloyd, I'll maintain this until the moment that he stops acting for good, because I think he is still doing things here and there. Christopher Lloyd is always one of the greatest things in any film that he, he appears good. in. The way that he delivers certain lines. Mm-hmm. in this film is <laughs> creepy and cartoonish without being over the top which yeah. again gives you a little bit of sense yeah. as to the true nature of what he's doing yeah it's clever um i love the fact that when he dips the oh, that's cartoon horrible. Sh- that's it's horrible. horrible and that part in some versions of this film has actually been cut out because of how like it scary horrible. it is, it goes on for quite a while. It's because you see a little cartoon and you don't even know you don't even know what it is. It's a shoe. That's it's it. It's just you a cartoon know, shoe. You don't know anything about it, but no. it's just so sad. And he dips it in the dip. Yeah, and, then, and his eyes are going. <laughs> but then he pulls his hand out, and his rubber glove yeah, has all the paint it's like, all over it, and it. But the paint is like dripping off of it, like he stuck his hand into like a bucket of blood mm. or something. He might as well have. Yeah, it's horrible. But it took me a while. Like I didn't initially get it as a kid, but the dip is made from turpentine yeah, yeah. and acetone, mm. and that's what you use to wipe paint off of a film yeah. cell. Oh, a film cell. Oh, yeah, okay. but like it's paint oh, okay. thinner. So that's what you use to erase paint yeah. off of. And I just, I never really got that. I just thought it was like a chemical that had been made that was essentially acid. Oh, know? right. Oh, okay. But I never really got that reference. But yeah, and it's just the air that Christopher Lloyd makes. Yeah, spooky. In this film. <laughs> and when he's doing the shave and a haircut bit mm. and he's tapping on the wi- on yeah. the wall he's like shave and a haircut oh. <laughs> that is so creepy <laughs> he's so good he's so good in this film and this was done right after he had been in back to the future oh, as okay. well so he was quite a big he was a big hitter then he was hot property at this point mm. coming off of the back of all of the back to the well, future franchise as well and he wasn't even in it that much he, he was i mean for being how famous he was then at that point he wasn't in it that much yeah. was he? you would think he would be that the pool of the to, i didn't even know i didn't even know his character i didn't know anything about it no to play a complete cartoon villain in this film is yeah, a real no kind idea. of 180 didn't know anything about his character at all that's not something that they Maybe people really didn't take to it. Maybe people thought he was too horrible. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe he horrible did the villain man. role so well. Yeah, that people want to forget about it. Yeah, because when he comes back... He tried to get rid of cartoons. I know, right? Horrible, nasty. <laughs> horrible, nasty man. <laughs> but when he comes back and after being steamrolled mm. and you see him 
inflate himself. Yeah. That was spooky. Do they explain why a person that is a cartoon wants to get rid of cartoons? Well, no, because they don't really explain that other than the fact that maybe he was like a rogue cartoon and just went mad. Maybe he wants to be a real person and that's why he wants to get rid of the... Perhaps. Perhaps. Who wants to be the last toon alive? Yeah, yeah. I did actually... (laughs) I did like how they kind of made the actual real-life people interact with the cartoon bits. So, like, (laughs) they are exact... I mean, everything that happened or everything that they did is exactly what you would do. Like, when they stumbled across, like... Or when they came into the the Acme warehouse-type place. Yeah. When they were um, investigating... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they were just picking up stuff and messing around (laughs) with it and, like, shooting the gun and stuff. It's like, if you had walked into a cartoon world where everything you could pick up and it was all cartoon... Yeah, literally. The first thing that you would do is pick it up and try and shoot it. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. You just start messing around with stuff. So that, like, was, that was good because it's... Yeah. I always thought after watching this film, uh, if, if anyone said to me, like, if you could have one invention, like make one invention, mm. what would it be? For ages, I always said the portable hole. The hole, yeah. The from, portable hole where yeah. you just, you can stick it to a wall and stick your hand into mm. it and pull something out and then yeah. take it off. I thought that's a that's a brilliant idea. Well, he, put isn't whole, it? He, he put his whole self in there and came out on top of the steamroller thing. Exactly. I thought that was fantastic. That was <laughs> so funny. So, were there any last thoughts you had about this film? No, I think it was it created iconic characters. Mm-hmm. They did, as we have mentioned a thousand times, the animation was really good. They did that really well. It was kind of one of a kind. Surprisingly, Absolutely. one of a kind. Deals with functional alcoholism in a way that children can understand. Yes. Right? Because they keep going on about how he smelled so bad of it. Yep, Um, absolutely. The fact that they they obviously make a reference to Jessica Rabbit fooling around with someone, but it's only ever referred to as patty patty cake. cake, It's only playing patty cake. Yeah. Which I think actually was a term in the 1940s, like playing patty cake. But the joke in this film is that she's actually playing patty cake. Yeah. So that was funny so, so it is i think it is a a classic classic film i think excellent now we've obviously built up to this in every episode <laughs> but it changes episode to episode <laughs> and i don't know if you've thought about it but your it score take a lot of thinking about to be honest okay all right interesting so you always change what your score is out of for every episode what score have you given who Framed Roger Rabbit, and what is it out of? I have given Who Framed Roger Rabbit three boobies out of five boobies. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it would have been more apt if it was two boobies, but oh, I get yeah, where you're coming yeah. from. No, three boobies. Well, Are there <laughs> traps in between the boobies as well? No, just regular bog-standard boobies. Okay, all right, not gigantic boobies. They're not overly inflated boobies. <laughs> Okay, all right, awesome. There's just nothing in there. <laughs> They're just empty drawings. <laughs> it, and there was another thing as well. That was it, it was the sound that they made when they <laughs> when he bounced his head on them by accident. Oh. <laughs> the dong. It was like, okay, right. You see, you see where people's heads are at while making this film. On the boobs, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So there you have it. Who framed Roger Rabbit? There was no doubt in my mind that this was a classic. And now, Amber, you're convinced as well. But what do you think? Are you of the opinion that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a classic movie? Or do you think that maybe it's not as good as everyone makes it out to be? Do you think that there are better classics out there that we might not have seen that we should take a look at in future? If you have any thoughts on this or any other films that we haven't seen yet, you can message us on Twitter. I am at Drew Bridger. At Amber Inch. And until that point, don't get us wrong, we're not bad, we're just drawn that way.